We sound a call to freedom that will heal our broken land As the call rings out more clearly, violent forces will disband Prison doors will open, bonds will loosen by the Spirit's hand The truth will set us free by Jan Aldridge Clanton, and uh, I remember the first time I heard that music, I just sobbed like a baby, and I think I'm going to play it more often here, because uh, I think it really sort of says it all. The sacred feminine is the liberation theology for our future. She will set us free. Well, um, I have to say it's great being back with you this week. Uh, I was off last Wednesday taking a much-needed break. After the Turkey Day holiday and uh, Roy and I's big bash for our 30th uh, anniversary celebration and vow renewal 
ceremony. Um, I hope you enjoyed some of the many wonderful interviews in the archives there for your listening pleasure. As you traveled to and fro from airports to Grandma's house or cooked the family delicacies for the holiday, um, you know, it always makes me think about my grandma. Uh, I sure miss her stuffed Millitons. Uh, she stuffed them with a kind of crab meat dressing, and I really regret never learning to cook those. Um, she also would fry cauliflower or eggplant slices. We were in the South, you know. That's how we got our veggies. We fried them. <laughs> uh, I don't think I saw a spring mix or arugula until I moved to California, and I can remember... Um, so vividly when the right-wingers in the South were making fun of President Obama because he ate arugula. Uh, You know, they just don't eat it there. Even now, I don't think. I'm not even sure they all even know what it is. But anyhow, uh, our salads were barely made of that that god-awful, nutritionless iceberg lettuce. Um, You know, maybe, maybe. uh, But really, our veggies were corn or we fried them but i got to admit they tasted better (laughs) and my mother's (laughs) famous macaroni and cheese uh, that was another special dish Uh, i don't know of anyone who made it better Ah, alas we spent a more healthy holiday now that we know better about our nutrition But uh, a shout-out to Jerry Berman, curator of the California Museum of Ancient Art, for that private showing of those 13 goddess artifacts last week. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jerry. That was Christmas Come Early for me, Roy, and my good friend, Dr. James Riedfeld, uh, as Jerry gave us a private talk on all the pieces, and we even got to hold 4,000-year-old goddess artifacts some of which were the only ones of their kind in the world. I am still pinching myself. Uh, We have pictures all over Facebook if you want to go back and look. Uh, The artifacts were from my favorite parts of the world, um, Babylonia, Mesopotamia, Egypt. So thank you, Jerry. Thank you so much. Uh, Also, a shout-out to Lean for sending that powerful meditation and to Sarah Jean for her very personal and insightful letter. Uh, Thanks, too, to Sarah for posting that review of Goddess Calling on your blog. I hope it got some good response. Uh, Another shout-out, I owe one to Tim for that wonderful interview he did of me that ended up in the Huffington Post. Uh, If you didn't see it yet, listeners, uh, go there. Please like it and share it, if you will. Right now it's got over a 1,000 likes and a few hundred shares. Um, Can we make that 2,000 likes? (laughs) Well, I'd consider it a personal favor. So make a comment uh, while you're there, too. And if you can't find it in the religion section of the Huffington Post, just go to my Facebook page, Karen Tate. You'll find the link real easy. And uh, sincere thanks to June of Indie Shaman. Uh, she is the editor of uh, that UK magazine, Indie Shaman. Uh, she did a spectacular job in this issue, highlighting the important documentary, Femme, Women Healing the World. And uh, there was also another interview of me and a review of my book, Goddess Calling. Um, I, I have been so blessed this month. Uh, all in all, I've gotten a lot of publicity for my last two books. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone. I sincerely appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Now may all that translate into a little bit of sales and an increased awareness of the sacred feminine, which is most important. 
You know, they say it takes a person seeing something nine times before they decide to buy it. I wonder if that counts for listening, too. Well, anyway, just in case, let me say, if you'd like to show appreciation for the show or for my work, please uh, purchase Goddess Calling or Voices of the Sacred Feminine. They'd make great stocking stuffers. So, uh, on to tonight's show. Uh, Tonight I uh, will have a short What's the Buzz segment after my two guests, so don't go away. I'm going to be sharing my insights about uh, what's in the headlines, uh, namely the protests in the street, uh, the light being shed on rape on college campuses, the CIA torture reports that came out yesterday, all within the lens of the paradigm shift of the sacred feminine that's a-coming. Uh, But up first tonight, we have Kathy Pagano back with us, our current resident astrologer, giving us the cosmic story for the next few weeks. Kathy will also be back with us soon discussing mythology and fairy tales, so watch for that. Uh, Or better yet, click the follow button so you get notice of the show and all the shows. Then tonight, uh, after uh, Kathy and I finish up, uh, I'll be chatting with Marilyn Nyberg. Uh, she is a co-founder of Gather the Women Global Matrix and Women Waking the World. Uh, she's also the producer of a video called The Book of Jane, The Story of Woman. Our topic is Women Waking the World uh, or uh, It's a Man's World. What's a girl going to do? All about the activation of women's influence for change. We'll deepen the conversation, discuss the hidden impact of the patriarchy. Uh, We'll talk about research that's focused on male physiology, uh, also masculine and feminine integration, and one billion rising, among other things. So uh, without further delay, uh, let me welcome Kathy uh, and invite her to share the cosmic story for December. Welcome, Kathy. Glad to have you back. Well, thank you, Karen. Good to be back. Um, it, everything you've mentioned is happening in the heavens, and um, so I love the, the alchemical thing, as above, so below, and then we'll add as within, so without, most definitely. Um, first off, let's talk about Venus, the planet of love and wisdom. Um, it's been hidden behind the sun, and after this weekend... Um, I think Monday is the day on the 16th, she's going to appear as an evening star. So she will appear as the wisdom star. So I would just say everybody be on the lookout to um, watch for her. She was the morning star earlier in the year and disappeared behind the sun in the last month, and now she's going to make her reappearance in the night sky just in time for a winter solstice. Okay. So, Take that as a sign that the divine feminine is back and is birthing this new world that we're all working so hard to bring about. Ah. So the other thing, (laughs) isn't it? I love it. I love that the heavens reflect the, you know, what's going on in the earth. And um, it sounds like the the segment you're doing tonight afterwards about the politics is very much about what's going on too. As I've mentioned a few times already since we've talked to um, um, the, the, um, there have been these two planets in the sky that started a cycle in the 60s. Uranus, the planet of awakening and originality and freedom, and the planet Pluto, the, the energy of death and rebirth and evolution. They have been doing a dance in the sky since 2012, and um, they're meeting up seven times, which is practically unheard of. And the sixth time they meet up, they're in a square relationship, which is 
a 90-degree angle. It's a crossroads where we have to make some really conscious changes in our life and our beliefs. And they're meeting up again for the sixth time on on Sunday night and um, Monday morning, depending on where in the world you live. And then the seventh time will be next March. So this is big. It's not as if because it's happening in the sky, everything will change. As we've already talked about, the reactionary forces in the world are are fighting back. But um, change is coming, and and so it's about how do we build it into our own lives. So if we look at the number six, just in, in numerology, it's all about balance and union. And if we look at the six-pointed star, we have the triangle of the masculine reaching up to the heavens and the triangle of the feminine reaching down to the earth. And there's a balance and a harmony there. And so um, with this sixth square, um, we, we let's look and see how afterwards if people are being more, if they're using their left and right brain more, if women are acting on their vision more, and if men are actually listening to their feelings more. Um, But let's look and see if if a balance is going to be struck uh, with this sixth square. Okay. Have you seen that with people? Are they becoming, do you feel like that people are sort of really finally getting it and bringing it in and... Well, being more balanced. You know, I keep. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to talk about this later, but I can't help but think that all of the stuff that's happening in the news is a reflection of all of that. You know, um, it is. you know it, that. Uh, you know, we, we are. We are. I don't know whether it was you who said it. I. I you know, I can't remember anymore. But you know, I I think we are living in the revolution, and um, you know, we're we're seeing how things are shifting. You know, with the you know domestic violence, the rape, the people out in the street. Um, uh, I, I I I am just so thrilled that the status quo is being shaken up. You know, we're rattling that cage and rattling that cage and rattling that cage. And, you know, we're just not letting them rest and continue to do what they've always done because they're messing with too many people and we're tired of it. That's right. And that's exactly what it is. Um, These two planets in the 60s began the revolution and all of the issues that we brought up in the 60s are back. And we're seeing how they haven't been as rooted in our cultural beliefs as maybe we thought they were. And so this is the opportunity right now to really um, face them and say, are we hypocrites? You know, are we saying one thing but really doing another? Or, or And we are hypocrites in that sense. But what are we going to do about it? And as I've mentioned, in another 40 years, um, we, those two planets will be opposite each other, and that's when we'll know if the revolution, you know, how the revolution worked out. The revolution is here. And and nothing is going to stop that. Um, and, and but it it's is what exciting. we do now. You know, and, and it is exciting to know that, you know, we're part, you know, we, we're some of the many thousands and millions of catalysts, 
you know, making this, um, you know, this this uh, evolution, this revolution happen. I mean, you know, as we're watching the news today and you see the Dick Cheney's of the world, you know, justifying torture, saying the ends justify the means, uh, you know, it, you know, being being the terrorist yourself uh, is justified, you know, as if you know might makes right, and uh, right. and and there's so many people, you know, I think are just appalled, you know, by what they what they learned were being done to these people. Some of them that had absolutely nothing to do with anything, you know, and right. um, it, it, yeah, I I, I we're just looking think, at our shadow. Yeah. And, and this this square is especially affecting the myth of America because it's um, including the 4th of July signing of the Declaration of Independence chart, and it's making Americans maybe open their eyes and see the truth. So in that way, it's so important because America, as much as we might um, be down on the, low on the list of people's favorite place right now, we are the leaders of the world, and I really believe it's American women and men, but American women who have to lead the way. We have to stop um, holding up patriarchy, and we have to stand up, as women in other countries are standing up um, against patriarchal beliefs. And um, we have to be brave, and I think women are doing it. The V-Day um, that you're going to talk about later on, all of those... Um, when you look and see the things that um, the new groups that are forming, so often it's women who are doing it because we are the ones who, you know, the goddess at the at the death of something or someone, the goddess is there. Just as at the birth of somebody, the goddess is there, and we're at that ending and beginning time. And so the goddess has come back to help us birth this new world that we can see, we can feel, we can taste, and um, and so we're the grandmothers of the future. That's how I like to talk about it. We're the grandmothers you, of the future. If you could see me, I'm shaking my head. Yes, 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 yes. You know, you said uh, about women being brave. Um, you know, for us here in the West, um, it doesn't take a lot to be brave, you know, because we aren't under threat like some women are in other uh, parts of the world. I, I was thinking about a story that was just on CBS maybe a week or so ago where these women in Saudi Arabia who aren't allowed to leave the house without a male escort, they aren't allowed to drive. Well, even they are defying this male authority. They are getting in their cars and videotaping themselves driving, and they are posting it on YouTube. Now, you know, that could be they could have serious consequences for stuff like that. That. You know, we don't That's risk right. our, our lives protesting and disobeying male authority, uh, but it's happening all around the world. Look out, patriarchy. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, patriarchy is always hated to die. Um, if you think of patriarchy as, um, you know, Cap as Capricorn, which Capricorn, the sign of Capricorn rules our collective structures, our social structures, which are patriarchal, and it's ruled by Saturn. And in the old myth, Cronus or Saturn, he didn't want his children to live, and so he swallowed them. Mm. Um, and, and until um, they tricked him and Zeus um, made him, they, he didn't swallow Zeus, they gave him a stone instead of Zeus, and then um, he threw up the other children and they got back. You know, but um, part of it is that's what patriarchy does. Any new 
impulse that comes up, it it tries to take it and swallow it and make believe that it's it, and it doesn't really live it. So you get these companies that are polluting our world and saying that they're green companies. Or you get someplace like Whole Foods, sorry, Whole Foods, you know, who says we have great organic food, and then you find out that they... Um, are against GMO labeling. I think um, Whole Foods was one of them, maybe not, so I don't want to get you in trouble by saying something. But, you know, these companies that say they're for natural organic food and then and then fighting GMO um, labeling. So the, the hypocrisy is what needs to go. And that's the other thing I loved about your song because it was about truth. And that's what Sagittarius is. We're right now in the darkest time of year, but Sagittarius, is a fire sign. It wants to light the world up, and it's all about truth. Sagittarians, if you know any, are truth speakers. Um, sometimes too much so, but that's good. We like that. And um, and so, in the darkest time of the year, at least here in the north, um, we are set on the course to find the truth and to find the light, which is coming back to us in almost a week. Not even a week. Maybe a little over a week. Um, with the winter solstice, when the when the light is reborn again, so it's a it's a wonderful time to be alive. And yes, we aren't we aren't we don't get into as much trouble as other women in the world, where they live in more repressive places. But that makes it all the more important, don't you think, for us to really stand up and create something new? Well, I think so because we can really push the envelope. You know, uh, we yes. we can really push and push because our lives aren't in danger uh, by, you know, trying to make radical change. I mean, I saw Elizabeth Warren on TV today fighting against the banks, well, the Republicans who were trying to uh, slip something in so that the budget doesn't, uh, you know, to fund the budget or something so they want to, uh, go back to the way it was when, uh, you know, the banks could do all this risk-taking and we'd have to bail them out again. You know, and there she is, you know, calling them out. And, you know, and here's the Democrats and Obama exposing what the Bush administration did after 9-11. So that's, it seems like that must be all that Sagittarius energy. Yes. It's, it's so important for the truth to come out. And to stand in the truth right now, and for for us as American women and Western women, um, it's more important for us to let go of the patriarchal belief systems inside ourselves, our need to be right, our need to act like men, our need to put money and power in front of love and community. Um, we need to change psychologically. We need to, um, that's the biggest thing anyone can do because then you're free. And there's the song again, you're free from the chains. Um, and so not that money isn't important, but it shouldn't be the central. Money shouldn't be God. And that's what American capitalism has made it into. Right. Um, and, of course, in Sagittarius, it's all about the cosmic laws and um, our belief and our faith. And so we need to have faith in our hearts and we need to have faith in our souls and in the divine feminine, which speaks through our soul, um, you know, and, and stand by that, even though it's scary because that might mean, well, you do have to leave that awful job or you do have to stand up against somebody coming into your town and trying to steal your water. And um, you do have to stand up in your family for what's right. You know, there's so many places where we can make those stands. 
Absolutely. So is yeah. there anything else we need to watch for, um, Kathy, but you know, as uh you know, after the solstice the, and Yeah. Well this weekend's so very intense, you know, because Pluto and Uranus can be explosive. Um, so just, you know, stay calm and centered. And then, of course, next weekend is the winter solstice. And it's a new moon right as the sun goes into Capricorn. So we have the new moon right away. And it's such a wonderful time to plant a seed of a vision of a better type of society and um, perhaps find a different um you know, sacred economics or um, or just the ability to go out and help other people and feed the poor or anything that, that is important to you, feed that in and before the Christmas season. And um, I would just say welcome in the light. You know, this is Advent right now, according to the Catholics. And it's a good, you know, it's really sometimes these old rituals are still valid. Um, it's a wonderful time to meditate on the coming of the light right now. And what does that mean for you? In what way do you want to light up the world? Well, you know, I always think of it as every January we get to reinvent ourselves, you know. Um, we, yes. we, t- we take this dark time, this quiet time that we're supposed to be going within and kind of assess what's happened in the year and say, okay, this worked, this didn't, this worked, this didn't. Uh, what am I going to try different next year? You know, how am I going to be different next year? I mean, uh, the optimism, you know, it, we have such potential uh, to start anew. Um, you know, it, it, it really is exciting, I think. It is. And if you look at the astrological mandala, the fact that at the darkest time of year, because most astrology is based in the northern hemisphere, um, and I always feel so bad for the southern hemisphere that they have to celebrate Christmas when they're really having the summer solstice. So <laughs> I always wonder what their psyches are like, because, you know, it is not the rebirth of the light um, for them. But anyway, um and, and so after after we have Sagittarius, then we have Capricorn. And Capricorn is about our responsibility to the world. Um, but also because the birth of the light at the winter solstice is like a new moon, it's a new beginning, we can't jump right in with our logical mind and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It's really important to let it arise from within us. And as you know, on Impulse, on February 2nd, it's really the visioning time. It's when the light begins to cast a shadow. And so we. I think that the reason all of our New Year's resolutions fail is because they're very right brain, I mean very left brain, excuse me, very rational. Oh, I have to lose weight. I have to make more money. I have to do this or that. Rather than spending this, that month of January sort of in the cloud of unknowing. I don't exactly know what it is, so let me feel it. Let me sense it. Let me dream about it. And, um, you know, maybe that's what the goddess wants us to do more, just, you know, putting out the idea that I'm responsible for the world, so that's Capricorn, Um, but because the light is new and because it's a new year, I don't know what this baby of light is going to be exactly. So maybe I need to sit down and meditate and see what that light in me wants me to do rather than me telling my energy, okay, get your act together, get to the gym. Don't eat, yeah. you know, do this, do that, whatever. So I think what you're saying is, is um, maybe sort of ease in, 
ease in gently, you know, as you're listening and feeling and don't be so, I don't know, maybe so high pressure about it. Right. You know, don't let your left, your left brain, the masculine is should be in service to the right brain, um, imagination and heart. So it's more about listening to your heart. What does your heart want you to do this year? And little by little, as the year goes on, it becomes clearer and clearer. And then in April or in March, when we have the spring equinox, that's when things start to move out into the world. But between now and spring equinox, it's still a bit dark and mysterious and inner, and that's a good thing to know. Yeah, so don't feel like you have to push, uh, you know, push things, um, you know, prematurely, I guess. Right. Go with the tempo of the earth. That's what, why women are the wise people in our world, especially, but only if we tune into the earth. Men you know, can do it. Women have a better connection. Some men can do it. You know, but that's how the earth speaks to us, and we really need to take our direction from the earth, I think. I, I, I have to ask you, Kathy, and, um, did, were you watching the Red Tent the last two nights? No, I didn't, but I did tape it. Well, you want to watch, but you just said something that reminded me of it. It just came slamming back at me, where you said the women were the ones that were connected. It was, you know, obviously it was the writing and the show, and it was in the book was based on Ania Diamant's book. But it was so obvious to me that the women were the wise ones. You know, not that we don't have wise. Uh, you know, wise men out there, we do. But this this movie was so um, so right on when it showed that it was the women that were were the glue that were keeping things together. You know, and they were the women of the goddess. Uh, it was wonderful. Yes. You're going to enjoy it. <laughs> I am going to. Yeah. And you see, because of patriarchy, especially the last four or five hundred years, we women have been trained and beaten and scared to death, and we become like men. And so we've lost that ability to create a beautiful life, to create the peace that we need, to create the balance. And so that's why we have to leave the patriarchy behind. We have to stop being fathers, daughters, um, and reclaim what uh, Clarissa Estes says, is we have to run with the wolves and reclaim our, our feminine side, which we all know since we're listening to your show, and um, and we know that the divine feminine is our connection to the earth. So I will leave you with one thing. During the 12 days of Christmas, which run from Christmas night to Epiphany morning, which is January 6th, um, there's a tradition that if you pay attention to your dreams, they represent the 12 astrological months. And so Christmas would represent um, the dream on Christmas night, the 25th, the night of the 25th, the morning of the 26th, would be for Aries. And then the next day would be for Taurus. And so just for any listeners, it's a really fun thing to do, especially if you remember your dreams. Um, And you can incubate them and ask for dreams. And it's a, because it's a time of prophecy. This time um, has usually been, you know, the extra days, if you will. And it's the time when we're out of time. And so um, you can dream about the future. And so if you ask, um, the dream world will give you dreams. And they might not seem um, prophetic, but it, they might be. And so um, should it's write just them down. a fun little thing to do during the holidays. 
Okay. That I'd never heard okay. that before. I, I, I like that. Um, well, Kathy, I've been doing prob- it for years. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I, because I know I'm a you... dream, I, I work with my dreams, and so when you're a dreamer, those are some of the things you you find in in history, and you go, oh, I want to do that. And yeah, and then you find out how much fun it is, and it becomes your personal uh, personal tradition. Um, right. Well, um, Kathy, I know you have to run. It's six thirty, uh, but uh, you know, as you say goodbye, please make sure you tell listeners how they can reach you and the title of your book and your website and all that good stuff. Okay, thank you. Um, my website is wisdom-of-astrology.com. If you don't put the dashes in, you'll get Alan Oaken, who's another good astrologer. He's a male astrologer, though. Um, my book is called Wisdom's Daughters, How Women Can Change the Earth and it's Change the World. And it is about the, appear- the reappearance of the divine feminine at the end of the age. And it's, um, it's a mythological and symbolic study of the goddess for today. And, and um, how do we reclaim our wisdom? And it tells us. It tells us. The image if, itself tells us. If listeners are interested, uh, you you do personal readings and stuff, don't you? Yes, I do personal readings. I work with dreams. I do astrology readings and, of course, just straight counseling. And okay. so um, I wish all of you a happy and blessed solstice. Karen, um, congratulations on your rededication last week. I'm sorry I had to miss it and um, you and your husband, and um, have a wonderful holiday. Same to you, and uh, I look forward to chatting with you in 2015. Kathy, have a wonderful holiday yourself. Okay, take care. Walk in the light, my sister. Walk in the light. Okay, good night. Night. Well, dear listeners, you know the holidays. Uh, can be a stressful time. Uh, There are all sorts of advice columns out there giving tips on how to avoid the stress, so I won't go uh, into that in detail except to say don't be afraid to start making your own traditions. Don't be afraid to shrug off being an uber consumer and buying a lot of stuff you and others really don't need. You know, opt for quality time with those you love. Be sure you spend time with the people who are your support system. And if you're looking to bring the sacred feminine more into the holidays instead of just what we hear in the mainstream, why don't you Google Goddesses of Christmas Time to share with your kids or check out the first chapter in my book, Goddess Calling, shameless plug, it, which is called uh, Resolutions and Return of the Light kind of a replacement for the traditional story uh, at this time of year. Or if you're in Southern California, I'm actually giving my annual talk to the Theosophical Society in Seal Beach on Friday the 19th on the goddesses of the winter solstice and legends and lore of Christmas. It's a free talk. It's a service to the community. I hope you'll join us or tell your friends who might be within driving distance. Well, that said, uh, next up tonight uh, is Marilyn Nyberg, and uh, she's going to be discussing with me women waking the world, and it's a man's world. What's a girl going to do? So let me introduce her to you by way of her uh, awesome bio. Uh, As I said, her name is Marilyn Nyborg, and um, she was a successful business owner and high-tech recruiter in Silicon Valley for 25 years. 
uh, co-founder of Gather the Women Global Matrix, founder of Gather the Women of Nevada County, and Women Waking the World. Uh, she's a master networker with 45 years of connections in women's leadership and women's circles. She's a speaker and teleseminar leader and producer of a video, The Book of Jane, The Story of Woman. Marilyn uh, has taken her lifetime of experiences and sacred activism to develop an international network to restore feminine wisdom, values, and influence in the service of all life. She's committed to a world that creates change in cultural values, personal choices, and policies worldwide that shift humanity's consciousness from separation and domination to integration and unity. Well, Marilyn, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I, I, you, you've said it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, I, I'm so glad to be talking to you. We have been anticipating this uh, for so long, and uh, we've, I, I, I know we have so much in common, and I'm glad we're finally, you know, chatting voice to voice. Well, me too. I've really been looking forward to it, so uh, I'm delighted to, uh, to join you and to get to know you too. Well, thank you, Marilyn. Thank you. Well, um, you've been a busy lady. Um, what would you uh, count as maybe the most important thing you've done or the thing you're most proud of, Marilyn? Well, that's a very interesting interesting question. I, I think that um, perhaps um, I go back much further than gather the women, uh, but uh, I would say that uh, being one of the initiators or co-creators of gather the women was pretty big piece. It was a, a way of beginning to connect and reach out, not only nationally but internationally, and to meet and talk with women around the world. So that was a very exciting period of time for me. And at the same time, as I as I had co-created that with a group of other women, um, I wanted to start it in my own community to see, well, what is Gather the Women? And so we were very have been very involved here in Nevada County for a long time. About two years ago, one of the limitations, I think, of being a nonprofit, by the way, is you cannot be political. And I found that a little, little kind of holding me back. And so that's where I moved to create Women Waking the World. So tell me a little bit about uh, women, women work, uh, waking the world, because everything you're doing is is really inspirational, and you know I think it gives other women the permission to, you know, get out and do something, or or volunteer and join other women that you know maybe already have something organized. Well, that's exactly what I would hope would would happen. I, I sort of feel like you know, unlike gather the women, I'm not trying to create. Uh, an organization per se. It's more like a portal uh, to inform, inspire, and activate women, to get them more involved, to bring their wisdom forward and their, you know, their perspectives, and just deeper participation in their communities uh, and, uh, and the, the nation, obviously. Uh, and I know there are many other wonderful portals online that do very similar kinds of things, but this is where I get to... Um, uh, to speak my piece, I think, and and meet people, and I just love it. Uh, networking is real important to me as well. So, Marilyn, I, I'm realizing we have to back up a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I just got an email came through to me from a listener uh, saying, please explain what's the difference between Gather the Women and uh, Women Waking the World. Well, Gather the Women, um, when we started out about 
oh, I see, 2001, I believe. Um, you, we really wanted to make an impact uh, on the world. And one of the things that we did every year was, among other things, was to create uh, an event on International Women's Day. And we in Nevada County actually created very large events of two and 300 women and involved many of the different women's organizations in our community. And then afterwards, we would bring women into circle. So there might be eight to ten different circles going on in our community at any one time. And I would venture to say that as Gather the Women became more circle-centric, if you will, which is an incredible way of women finding support, finding you know, what they want to be doing in the world, uh, as an activist and as a spiritual activist, I really wanted to be able to say my piece, whether it was political, uh, whether it was um, spiritual, or, or with no, no hope, bars whole, held, shall we say. And I think that's the only distinction. I'm sort of, uh, is it just a few of us really working to create women waking the world? And it is exactly what the name says. We really are wanting women to begin to bring their voice to the table of global consequence to bring their voices to the kitchen table, the cabinet table, and the boardroom tables. And so it's a much more outer and active, although at the core it is definitely spiritually based, and I consider myself a spiritual activist. Right. I, well, I, I mean, you know, there's, the differences. there's a lot of groups out there that kind of um, – uh, I, I, well, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find the right words. There, there are groups out there that encourage women to be entrepreneurs, and they sort of have a, um, uh, a woman in business kind of feel, but they kind of have a goddess overlay. I, yeah. I, I don't think that's what you're talking about, though. No, you're talking no. about maybe personal empowerment, spiritual empowerment, uh, political, uh, social justice activism, as opposed to you know maybe starting your own business kind of a thing, right? Yeah, no, there are definitely there are definitely women's groups out there that support women who are in business. We know the book Lean In and what she has to say about that. I, I'm, I've been in business myself. I've had that experience. Uh, but I think, and I do think, one of the things that we want to talk about and, and get involved with is creating new feminine models of leadership. You know, how would we do it differently? And unfortunately, most corporations and, and, uh, and businesses have a male model. And, uh, and you know, and I, 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 hopefully it's beginning to change because more women are going into business. But sometimes we follow the, the, the male routine of how to become successful. And I think to do so, you really have to say, how do I become successful as a woman? How do I use my intuition and my relationship skills? And how do I bring business to another level? So, so Marilyn, tell us what that looks like, if you can. You know, how how do we shift from, uh, you know, women just, you know, just being patriarchy in a skirt in the workplace to yeah. sort of doing it the feminine way? I mean, it, 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 yeah. it, it, you know, take it out of the hypothetical, out of theory. You know, um, you know, maybe give some concrete examples, if you can. Well, I'm going to going to take a little side road here because I was thinking there's a book you probably have seen called the confidence is it confidence gap I think it is I think one of the things women need to have is more confidence in who they are and in their skills and when they go into business they need to know that they are the equals and not and not uh, feel like they are uh, second place some of the things the book talks about which I think is absolutely fascinating is. You know, the men will leap into any position and say, I can do that, and women will wait until they're 100% 
skilled in that position before they step forward. Uh, I remember hearing a, a man on the radio talking about um, about uh, confidence. He said, "When men speak with uh, speak, they speak with confidence, even when they're wrong. When women <laughs> speak, we tend to speak without confidence, and usually, or when it, even though we are right. And I, I, so I think confidence is one of the skills that we need to bring with us as we go into into business. I think the the, the capacity to build relationships." Uh, the capacity to um, to be personal and even vulnerable. I think that's what we bring to the table when we go into business. And making that, um, uh, creating safe space so that everyone can really be heard. Uh, there are people talking about bringing circle principles into business, and I'm, I know that that can work. I, I think that even more than that is just that we do create an opportunity to hear all the voices and consider everything before decisions are made. And, and I so, think those are some of the ways. So what what would be one or two of uh, circle principles you'd like to see, you know, brought into corporate America? Well, I think the one that I just mentioned is just listening, letting mm-hmm. everybody have their say and listen. I mean, there's always someone in the group who's, who's reluctant to speak or has lots of ideas, but they're, they're shy or they're introverts, and to give those people an opportunity to be heard and to be seen as well. And I, I think that's a, really a, a, a skill women have very well. Uh, let's see, and what was the second thing you asked me? <laughs> uh, well, well, it was just, you know, give one or two examples of, uh, you know, of, of Circle principles that you could bring into corporate yeah. America, but you've you've, you've said you've you've said so. Um, well, you know, well, and I, I here's here's the other one. This is whenever we do presentations in our area, whenever I go out to do a presentation, whenever possible, I ask people to sit in a circle. And to do so, you get to see who's there, who's speaking. Uh, it kind of warms up the environment. It takes it out of the hierarchy of you're sitting up there and everybody else is sitting in the audience style. I think, th- and I think that is beginning to happen, that people sit in circle when they're talking business uh, or, or issues or whatever. I, I just feel that that contributes to an environment of, of safety and uh, and openness. Okay. Well, and I'm wondering too. Um, you know, I'm uh, you know thinking about this you know, sort of idea of corporate America and women, you know, being the ones that maybe shift things. Um, do you think more women are starting to get it that we have to empower one another and not just, you know, uh, you know that old lobster pot theory, you know, one, you know, one lobster is, cr- you know, crawling out of the boiling water and the other sort of pull her back in. Uh, instead, you know, you know what we want to teach women is as you're crawling out the pot, you reach back around and pull a sister out. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the, sometimes women support one another, sometimes women don't. Uh, but do you think things are getting better out there for, you know, women supporting women? Well, I haven't been in the corporate environment for a number of years uh, now, but I would say from what I hear, it is getting better. And I think that... Um, I, I think that the, the audience I'm not sure we're reaching yet are the younger women, and, I, you know, that's another whole generation that are doing things differently. But I, I think it's important for younger women to understand as well that we don't get where we're going on the backs of others, but hand in hand. And I, and I think that's what you just said, and I, I would totally agree. Yeah, I do think it's changing. And the more we're willing to be vulnerable and speak our truth, I think the quicker things will move in that direction. 
Well, and I was thinking, too, you know, you said, you know, women need to speak with more confidence. And, um, you know, I I wonder, I I mean, of course, you know, what we're, I'm speaking with a broad brush here. And, uh, but I I think sometimes maybe men are intimidated when women speak with confidence. Um, I I think they don't, uh, they're accustomed to, um, I don't know. I, I think a lot of them aren't accustomed to women who feel they're they are genuinely their equal, and it sort of puts them off a little bit. You know, I saw an, an interesting thing, and I wish I could remember all the details. It was about a couple of years ago. There was a university, and I'm going to say it was Yale or one of the big ones, big ones, where they had an audience, men and women, looking at two videos, and the videos were of two people being interviewed for the same job: one man, one woman. They had the exact same resume. Of course, the audience didn't know that. The resumes were exactly the same. And they presented themselves, and the, the audience was then asked, well, who would you give the job to? And invariably, it was, it was just classic. It's like, well, she was kind of, she's kind of uh, edgy, kind of, kind of um, I don't know, bitchy. Uh, she looked like she'd be too aggressive. But he really had a nice way about him. And it went back and forth, and... and and there is something, uh, an imprint on the culture that I would say, as your earlier guest spoke of, uh, the patriarch. The patriarch has an imprint on this culture, which says men are better and they have their place uh, above women. And in, in holding that to be true, then it's pretty scary when a woman comes in of equal uh, uh, intelligence, equal uh, qualities of, of, uh, and business skills. I, I think it is intimidating. We um, have a young niece that's working uh, as an engineer uh, out here, and she was uh, talking about the fact that her boss had read the book, Leaning, 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 Lean In, I think it is, and um, how she, then there was uh, an engineer that was visiting from out of the country, a woman, and so the boss asked the women only to go out with this woman and, you know, to, to have lunch with her. And the men were really put off by, by being left out. They couldn't understand. And, and I think they tried to explain that men have been doing this <laughs> for eons where the women have been left behind. And right. now there's a little catch-up going on here, and sometimes you ha- it has to balance out. But at this point in time, I, uh, very often I have seen in groups that, uh, that men, bless their hearts, uh, speak out the most, they're the most dominant. Women, uh, as, our, as, as is our training, tend to step back and let them, let them speak or go forward. And as a result, women tend to, and this, maybe this is old news, I hope it is, women do tend to hold back. Um, I think certainly the women over even 40s and 50s and 60s, they, they tend to hold back and give men the, the space to, to speak their piece. But yeah. in doing so, yeah, we, they hold We're sort own. of conditioned to... Um, uh, you know, c- conditioned to not be the one that steps up first. Exactly. You know, to to sort of be polite. That's it. You Absolutely. know, I, yeah. I, and and you know, maybe it's as simple as you know, well, not as simple as that. You know, maybe it depends on where you come from. But I know, living in the South, you know, I I lived in the South until I was thirty. You know, we were taught to be polite. Oh, yes. So oh, you yes. you know you you sort of um, you know gave the other person. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, you, uh, a, a little space. You know, um, you, 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 you know, you, you weren't aggressive. 
Well, in my experience, in a group, whether it's a social group or whether it's a, a circle, when they're or a classroom uh, or a business, when men and women are both there, that it tends to it, it tends to be that way. That men seem to be the dominant figures in those situations, and when there are when there's just men there, I'm sure that there's a whole different interaction with one another. When there are women only there's a different interaction with one another. But when men and women come together, they haven't quite gotten that balance yet. Um, there's a wonderful book, if you haven't read it. It's called, um, let's see, what is it called? Duality. I'm trying to think of the, um, it'll come to me. But basically, these are, this is a couple who are doing workshops for men and women to come together to really hear one another's stories, where the wounds have come from, and, and it's a beautiful work that they do. Uh, divine duality is what it's called. And one of the things they say in the book is that there's a lot to be worked out between men and women, and unfortunately, the culture doesn't do it. So it gets worked out in every male-female relationship, <laughs> which means everybody goes back to the first base to try to figure out how do we do this so that we're both being heard, both being respected, both able to dance together to the same tune? And right. I, it's a huge, a huge job because of the, the overlay of conditioning and, and cultural um, uh, imprints that we, that we carry with us. Right. Well, you know, um, there's been so much in the news lately. Um, you know, now, uh, right now, I think the hot button is, you know, domestic violence, rape on college campuses, yeah. racism. Yeah. I mean, I think as soon as Hillary announces, and you know, already Code Pink is trying to get Elizabeth Warren, um, you know, to agree to run for president. I think, uh, you know, we're going to add to that. Um, I, I, I think next year is going to be hot and heavy with sexism, don't you? Oh, oh, no question about it. There's no question about it. And it'll be used both both as a selling point and as the uh, the adverse reason for not <laughs> wanting a woman in, in you know in those in those positions. But I I think what's exciting to me is how much is coming out. You know, uh, like everything's being uncovered, everything's coming to the light. And yeah. uh you know, it's going to cause huge upsets, and as we're seeing right now with all the torture stuff going on on, on, on the uh, on television. One of the things that, that as I mentioned earlier, I, 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 what we really want to do is to, uh, and we're doing it in several different ways. I'm, I've just started doing some videos at our local um, uh, public uh, TV station, and what I'm calling is Women Waking the World Presents Conversations for Change. I think one of the things that is desperately needed is that we need to begin having the deeper conversations, not just chit-chat over coffee or, or over your wine in the evening, but, but really going into, delve into um, your own feelings about what is going on in the world today and how we can make a difference. And I think part of it is focusing on where, what we have in common and not what divides us. Right. You know, well, do you think part of... Part of that deeper conversation, Marilyn, and, and I mean, feel free to, you know, tell me if, if, if I'm wrong about this. You know, that doesn't bother me. I, I'm here to learn, too. Um, you know, part of, the, part of going deeper is women allowing themselves to be angry about... Absolutely. Um, you know every you know their their marginalization their their how they're devalued in society i mean i I think growing up in the South, you know we were always taught 
to like I said before, you know, to be nice, to be polite. You know, you you know, you really weren't given permission to be angry, and I think maybe that's even the backlash against feminism because some women, you know, are uncomfortable with feminists who speak out forcefully and um, and maybe are even a little bit angry. How can you not be? Um, but they're uncomfortable with the anger. Well, actually, I, I have a little different opinion. I, I think it's important we get our anger out, but I think that's our homework, and that's where women's support circles are so invaluable, where you can go and express your anger and get it out of your system and look at, at uh you know, how did it get there in the first place, and how can you release it, and then go out and do your work. I think it requires the inner work to be prepared to go out and do the outer work. Not everyone's going to be heard when they're angry. And, and if, if the goal of all of this is to create conversations and, and bridging the differences, it, leading with your anger doesn't work. I think anger is, is uh, a motivator, and I think it is uh, something that we have to express but but as i said i think that's the deeper personal work you do in a circle with other women who can be with you and witness that and help you move through it so that when you yeah. go out of that circle you're clear about what is needed and it's not just your own personal projections or your own frustration that gets that that hit, hits people in the face and i think yeah. that makes it a lot easier to be heard yeah, because people don't hear you or listen when you're yelling. No, so, you know, don't. do your venting, you know, in your circle or in your red tent or... Uh, or something like that, you know, with your with your circle sisters, um, you know, mm-hmm. commiserate and you know whatever you heard in the news last week that has your hair on fire, <laughs> uh, but uh, d- but don't show it when you're out there trying to um, you know bridge the gap or create some sort of meaningful dialogue. Well, I think that um, I was going to quote uh, Buck- Buckminster Fuller, who says, "Stop killing the dinosaur, create the gazelle." So if you have anger and you're working through it in your women's group and you, you're feeling like you're releasing it, now what are you going to do with that? Take the energy from that anger, and what can you do to make a difference now in the world? And that's where we begin creating the gazelle. We keep going yeah, after yeah. the things that don't work, and we just wind up hitting each other over the head. But there, And in the process, we lose relationship with others who don't agree with us. So I think, it's a, I think the inner work is incredibly important for anyone who wants to be an activist, particularly a spiritual activist. So is that uh, part of uh, what happens in either the um, the Gather the Women or the Women Waking the World groups? Do, do you do that sort of inner work, or that's for women who have moved past that? No, I think, uh, I know in Gather the Women, they have circles that cover a range of things, and some of it is very personal work and the stuff that perhaps you haven't done before. And others, uh, I, I, again, I left there about two years ago, so I haven't sat in one of their circles. But in most of the circles that I've been in, they, they are available for you for, for what is needed. In fact, I'd like to recreate the circles and make them spirals, a spiral where you sit in a group and you talk about what's come up for you this week, you get support, and then you spiral back out in a new place take this into some form of action or change, uh, or even uh, I think conversations are very positive. So I'm kind of on a conversation tooth these days that I, I feel like uh, we need to be able to express um, uh, the things that are coming up for us in 
uh, in conversations with others who, who can reflect back or agree with you or not agree with you, but in any event, you'll learn something. And, uh, right. and, and very often you get a hold of what is your passion. And if you find your passion and follow the thread of that passion, you will find ways of making a difference in the world. And now I would imagine that if this kind of work is being done in these circles, there are probably uh, women who are trained facilitators that, you know, sort of know how to uh, guide this process. Not necessarily. I, I know some of the circles do have people that are trained. Others are women there to support one another. And, and it's interesting. We talk about empowering women. I find women are already empowered. They, they don't know what to do with it necessarily, but they are empowered. And I think uh, more than anything, I think we need to learn how to, uh, to take our power and fly together and, uh, and not just be lone rangers out there feeling you know, like they want to do something. But I think it's very important that women uh, come together, find sisters who are uh, willing to either support them in whatever they want to be doing or become part of, of that to create something new in the world. So that, I, yeah. That's what to make a difference. Yeah, the solidarity. I mean, you know, there's strength in numbers, I mean, simply put. Um, so now you wanted to talk about the hidden impact of the patriarchy, history, not herstory, or our, our story. Um, what did you uh, want to, uh, you know, speak to that a bit, Marilyn? Yeah, there are a couple of things in in that little sentence. Um, I, I've, I think people don't realize, men and women don't necessarily realize, that his story, history, is his story. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had this awakening the other day talking about history, and I said, gee, I never liked history. And then I said immediately, I didn't identify with anybody in history for the most part. <laughs> And, um, and recognizing now in the last 25 years, her story is beginning to, merge, to, to come forward, and we're beginning to understand there's another piece of it. But basically, history is written by the victors, and at this point in our, in our evolution, those victors have been, uh, been men. And so we have gotten down through time men's conclusions about many, many things, their research, their experience, uh, et cetera. I, I remember one story where there was some archaeologists in a, in a, found a cave and they were reading the wall paintings, and the men interpreted it as these are people carrying their weapons. And when the women archaeologists came in, they said, no, these are people carrying tools for, for agriculture, for gardening, to dig, <laughs> to plant. Now, Two different perspectives. Here's another one. That, that This is why I'm beginning now to really question a lot of things that we get down historically. But another one is, uh, and they're beginning now to speak to this, um, but uh, in medicine, all of the research in the past has been done with men, including uh, male mice, because those, you know, those funny little hormones get in the way of the results. So yeah. as a result... Uh, you know, women have been dismissed for years when they have heart attack symptoms because they're not like men's. We've been overdosed with lots of things because we've been given doses for men. And, and the medical researchers, researchers are just now beginning to recognize the, the, the fault of this, that yeah. women are not getting the kind of health uh, care that they require because it's based on the male anatomy. Um, yeah, so, because uh, the, having the hormones um, that we have complicates the absolutely. picture. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's much easier to go straight forward. But I, I'm saying that kind of leading up to something else, and I, I think I, I made this in, in my notes to you. Um, 
a few months ago, in thinking about the fact that most of the, if you go to the library, the majority of the books there you know, through time have been written by men uh, or a male perspective uh, or a woman using a man's name or a man using a woman's work you know, to publish. But so I began to question then who, for example, said that we have within us masculine and feminine qualities. Who said that? No I don't know. Uh, no one seems to know, but you would kind of guess it was a man, probably a group of men, probably good good men, psychologists and therapists, and certainly uh, Dr. Carl Jung, for example. You know, he talked a lot about the masculine feminine that needs to be integrated or balanced within us. So what occurred to me was this. We're talking about qualities, these, quote, masculine and feminine qualities. But if you take the genderization off of that, you have a series of qualities that are basically human qualities within mm-hmm. every person. What the difference is the way in which they're expressed. A man would nurture differently than a woman. A woman's fierce mother bear might be quite different than a man's warrior. It's expressed through the gender, but the qualities, the qualities themselves, are simply neutral qualities. And we have t- tended to label them, ah, oh, this is masculine, that's really good, this is feminine, you know, a little passive, a little quieter. And, and I'm just, uh, just working with the fact that when I look at it, I realize that within women, their wholeness is already there and can be found in the deep divine feminine. Within men, when they make the inquiry, not to, not to find their feminine side, but to go deep into what is their divine masculine side, they mm-hmm. will come up different responses as well. Right, so but but it, but it will it will be qualities that maybe we had otherwise labeled feminine. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And we take I the get label where you're off, going. And and now the gender will express those qualities differently, but it's not the qualities that have a gender attached to it. I think that that's. Yeah. that's the point I, I'm, I'm trying to make. And the thing is, when you say, I think we do a disservice when we say to men, you need to embrace your feminine side. I ask you, what is the model of their feminine side? Their mother, their girlfriends, maybe their, uh, you know, women teachers or, or the media, God help us. That, for the most part, we don't have a really good um, single model of what the feminine is. That's a deeper inquiry that women must make for themselves. And for men, as I said, I think their inquiry is, who am I as, as the divine masculine in me? What, is, what am I about? And I think that would make it very different than, than trying to integrate two sides. And again, we go back to uh, the idea of, um, oh, what's the word, when we want to, um, you know, the difference between unity and fragmentation <laughs> and duality. And we keep thinking in duality, like, you know, w- women have this and that's good, and men have that and that's good. And right, I think it's right. getting away from that as well. So anyways, that's, yeah. that's one of the things that I have been thinking about. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the the whole idea of, of um, qualities just being qualities and not having, uh, a, you know, a, the stigma yeah. of gender sort of mm-hmm. attached to it. 
Uh, but but I guess the only part of that, as I'm as I'm trying to think this through with you, is you would have to. I, I think of the the mass the men would have to know. You know, because we we come to this conditioned. You know, they would have to know that it's okay to be nurturing and caring and sharing and maybe tap into their own intuition and uh, you know that sort of thing and not um, stuff it. Because you know maybe you know they were conditioned to think that uh, uh, those things made them weak. Well, you're absolutely right. And there's a film coming out very soon. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it's uh, coming out with um, is it called the Representation Group or something like that. Um, anyway, it talks about the, the way men are conditioned uh, to avoid their emotions and their feelings, and and how ultimately it all comes out in the wrong way very often. And so um, I think, again, if men really looked into self as a, as a, and into their own divinity, which I believe we all are, and let go of the conditions, out, outside conditions and, and, and such, I think they would find that in themselves, their own expression. And it would be, as I said, probably in many ways different than ours, but they would also get in touch with their feelings, which would release a whole lot within men in terms of how they can respond to the issues that we face in the world today. Well, do you think we're sort of, uh, by by telling women to embrace their masculine or telling men to embrace their feminine, um, do you think we're just sort of trying to transition humanity to the genderless point? You know, maybe we can't jump from where we are now to the you know, the genderless point, we have to sort of explore um, the, you know, the values or the attributes that we label masculine or feminine if they've been lacking in our life before we can get to the, you know, the genderless place? Well, it's not so much that we're looking for genderless, although I think ultimately we will. We would be going in that direction in our, in our evolution. But actually, it's an interesting question because um, I've been teaching, preaching, listening, and reading about the masculine feminine for at least a good 50 years. I was only 10 years old at the time, but <laughs> but I have seen it for years and years, and that, that, that vocabulary has been around a long time. I don't think it's a very big jump to say, let's look at what it is, what is the true masculine, what is the deep and true feminine, and is there not wholeness within that itself? I, it, it's not jumping to no, you know, a sexless uh, culture. It's really finding the deeper expression of these two genders and how it is we come together and, and complement one another. True, true. And I think maybe I phrased it wrong when I meant, you know, jumping from where we are now to the genderless. I meant not uh, not attaching a gender to, um, you know, to a feeling or a value or an attribute. Um, that that's that's really what I meant. But yeah, no, I, I understood what you meant. And but I still think that it's just as. Um, easy to learn it that way than to learn it the other way and then have to eventually transition down the road. Gotcha. I think if this is new material for people, then it's not transition, it's a beginning. And for right, those right, right. who have, have been working with this forever, it might give us some more insight uh, uh, into our own wholeness. Into Yeah, so it's sort of get there with less steps. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, more, yes. more efficient path. Well, um, I don't know how efficient it is, but, I, but it feels like... Um, 
as I said, I don't know that we have really good models. Uh, I don't know that women have good models for what it is to integrate their masculine side. I don't know that men have good feminine models to say, well, I'll now I'll embrace my feminine side. And, uh, you know, I've heard women complain in Sweden where there's, there's an incredible balance, as you know, between masculine men and women, that the men have kind of lost that masculine side uh, because they've become feminized. And I, I don't think we're looking for men to become feminized, but to become right. truly the deeper levels of masculinity. Right. Well, that's interesting. Um, well, now, uh, you wanted to speak about uh, One Billion Rising and your insights about uh, violence against women last year. Yeah. One Billion Rising was begun by Eve Ensler, who some of you may know was uh, is the vagina monologue lady. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been, this will be the third year, I believe, because I've been involved only, this is my second year. But One Billion Rising, or what we call OBR, is a great idea by Eve to bring people around the world together, on specifically on Valentine's Day. And there is a dance. The dance is called Breaking the Chain. And there's, it's a choreographed uh, dance, and it's encouraged to learn it and to use it as a flash dance. So in our little community here in Grass Valley, California, a couple of years ago, we had a 1,000 families, men, women, children, dancing down the street to this music, a beautiful, well-done song, and then coming to a program where we presented a a, a program. Um, And so that will be happening again this year on February 14th, and people might look to see if it's either occurring in their own communities or if they can make it occur in their communities. And you can find that on onebillionrising.org, I believe it is, .org, if not .com. What I learned last year was really uh, insight for me. Um, we, we all know that violence against women is, is, is a horrible condition and that, unfortunately, too many people are living with. Um, I was shocked once years ago when we asked the women in our community, what is your biggest concerns? What are the issues that you're most concerned about? And how many of them said safety? I thought, safety? How many women walk down the street looking over their shoulders? Men don't do that, uh, generally speaking, and they don't think about that in terms of, of women's uh, safety. So what, was, what I saw last year in our presentation at the end of our dance, which was really great fun, by the way, uh, a woman talked, uh, this woman was a beautiful woman who's uh, in her 60s and is um, uh, just a beautiful being. She's the kind of person that looks like she could go to, uh, out to dinner when she's coming out of the garden. She's always dressed so beautifully. And she stood there and told her story of being abused. And I watched the faces of the men and women in the crowd and tears from both sides coming down their cheeks. But the men kind of looked at her like a deer in the headlights. This is not a woman you would think would ever be raped or ever abused. And so the idea of what that looks like was shot, just gone. And mm-hmm. I realized just how, um, how much it impacts our sense of well-being, women, our sense of well-being and our safety. And, and so I began thinking we need to be talking more about this and that we need to ask the men, we must ask the men, to stand up with us on this issue, 
too often we refer to women's issues. Well, women's issues, men sort of dismiss themselves. It's a woman's issue. It's not a woman's issue. It's violence against women is everybody's issue. And well, yeah, I mean, and don't you think maybe the reason that is, at least partly, I mean, we can't blame the media for everything, but, I mean, I recently had a show about this. Sure. It, it seems like the media is resistant to name male violence. You yeah. know, when a woman is raped, they'll say, oh, well, what's wrong with our culture that, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, women aren't safe, but they don't say what's wrong with some of the men in our culture. <laughs> you know, it, it's almost as if they leave the perpetrator trader off the hook. They get very vague, don't they? Well, it's interesting. Sweden has just made a new law, and the new law is uh, around prostitution. Instead of arresting the prostitutes, they're going after the men who are paying uh. for them. They're prosecuting them. And yeah. I, I, I think it's going to hit home that men are responsible for one another. They're, they're also their brother's keeper. And when they hear men disrespecting women, putting them down, bragging about their conquests, that, that's the time that they're going to have to uh, get a hold of their own courage and say, that doesn't, that's not helping, that doesn't work. It begins right. with a subtle permission to other men, even, the, you know, whether they act on it or not, it's, it's there. And it's right. an environment that we, we have got to, got to confront. Yeah, or you know, I think it's the same thing when they when they sort of put down single mothers as if that woman made that baby all by herself. Right, you know? right. There were no men. You know, the guys are always left, or, or the guys are always off the hook. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. You're right, and I think it's part of the issues that we have to face now, is that um, the men have to get on the hook with us, really, because yes. uh, uh, we can't yeah. do this. We can't do this without them. Uh, particularly given the greatest perpetrators are, are is is in the the male community, uh, and they're going to, they're going to have to step up. You know, there's some people have said, uh, and I believe there's truth to this, that one of the reasons, one of the great purposes of men is to protect women. Unfortunately, that protection began to move into uh, ownership. Yeah. But I do think that in the long run, that is their their. What, what am I going to say? That's what they've been charged for, is that they need to be protecting the feminine, show respect yeah. and protect her. Yeah, and, and, and uh, yeah, absolutely. That's the new archetype for men, you know, yeah. not dominator, not, um, uh, you know, any of these more, you know, no ownership, you know, as mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. say, but uh, but strictly yeah. protector. And, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's so obvious, isn't it? I mean, if, if well, men were not. taught that they were... <laughs> protectors, then they wouldn't be the ones, you know, committing all the violence That's against right. women, would they? And they would step in to make sure it didn't happen. It just yeah, didn't happen. yeah. Well, you know, it reminds me of, of a of a quote that I was going to uh-huh. say later, um, and, well, and I'll repeat it again, but it says, uh, it's by Paulo Freire, I think, mm-hmm. Freire, mm-hmm. Uh, washing one's hands of the conflict between the powerful and the powerless means to side with the powerful, not be neutral. And I think that's what you're saying about the men. You know, the men have to not be neutral. You know, and really, I think it's whether we're talking about men and domestic violence or whether we're talking about spiritual people who don't speak out when there's injustice in the world. You know, I think, you know, we're all being called, um, you know, to to not be neutral. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, last uh, March, I had the pleasure of going to the International Women's um, uh, Conference in uh, at the UN in, uh, uh, in uh, New York, 
And, uh, it, you know, you, there were women and men from every country there. It was just wonderful. And one of the, uh, the uh, sessions I sat in on a woman from uh, Australia, uh, with the human, uh, no, she's with the status of women in Australia, and she said that one day she decided to pick up the phone and call the most powerful men she knew. That included, by the way, people in Parliament, the, the, the heads of military and, and ministers and all kinds of people. And she basically said, I want to meet with you. And in meeting with them, she said, we need you. We need you to take a stand. And by God, I forget, they've named it something wonderful, like, um, oh, gosh, all my notes are gone here, but they, they have a wonderful name for it. And basically, for example, the military guy called together his... Uh, uh, his staff and the people that, that report to him, and he said, if I hear anything, anything about mistreatment of women, rape, abuse, sexual harassment, you are not in my army. Now, that's a statement. And, yeah. and these men were willing to go out on the limb like that and just say, it will not be put up with. And I thought it was a brilliant idea. I wish I knew somebody in the in the government that I could get to, to, to do something, or in the military for that matter, to get to stand up and say, you will not be part of my military if you right. continue that behavior. And heaven knows yeah. we need to do that now. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's a beautiful story, um, uh, Marilyn. Thank you for sharing it because, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a perfect example of what we really need uh, you know, from men in uh, positions of authority, because how long would it be before that could change the world? You know, if 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 men stop playing the game and do the, doing the nod nod wink wink thing, you know, exactly. or looking the other way, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Well, look, we have a, probably about ten minutes left. Um, how do you want to spend it? What's what's most important uh, to you to talk about for, in these last few minutes oh. before we wrap? What can I say? Um, well, I would uh, love to encourage people to come to my website. It's in the process of being redone. So it's sort of you know, literally in process right now, but it's, it's uh, womenwakingtheworld.com. I have uh, on Facebook, which is a little more active right now, it's um, uh, Women Waking the World 2013. That's on Facebook. And love to hear people's comments. They can come there to to say that they've listened and they have, they agree or they don't agree. I'd love to see that on Facebook. Um, I am hoping to have uh, a couple things. I'm, we mentioned quickly earlier that um, there's a book called The Book of Jane, written by a woman named Jane Evershed, who is both a, um, a, uh, um, an artist and a poet and a feminist, I have to say. And um, she has written this book. And when I read the book, I was so excited. I called her out of the blue, and I said, Jane, this needs to be a video. This needs to be put on a video. So we created a 16-minute video. It's based on her beautiful um, paintings, and it uses her exact script throughout the book. And um, uh, so we, we did this. It's, um, they say it's about 16 minutes. You can go Is it on, on YouTube or something? Uh, it is on YouTube, and um, again, if you go to Women Waking the World, I think we have the YouTube channel there, um, and uh, that uh, they, they can see it there, and if they want to download it, they're free to do that. I'd love to see that get out in the world. One of the things that I do as a, as a speaker is I often take it with me, show the film, and then have a conversation about what they just saw. It, it's, a, it's hard-hitting. It's not an easy 
it's like, oh, isn't that lovely? It really does tell you where we've been as women and where we have to go now and what that means to come into um, to balance with, with men. And uh, so anyway, that that's another thing that, that we have going. And um, sounds like something good if you have a book circle or a wisdom circle or something yeah. like that. That could be the focus of uh, one of your evenings. Absolutely. In fact, I also have uh, what I call... Um, uh, um, a woman's guide to uh, to sacred activism, and if they want to write to me, they can get a copy of that too. I believe we have that one online as well. Uh, it's like you know, how do we move forward? And there's a whole series of ideas and suggestions for what we can do. Um, I would certainly encourage a woman if she hasn't done it either to get into a woman's circle or create one herself. I, I okay. have a great great poem that I'd love to end with. This is one of Jane's. Can I read this? Oh, absolutely. Go right ahead, Marilyn. Okay. So it says, Woman, all sisters, remember? Act like you already manage a nation. Summon your purpose with your heart's conviction and take your station. You are being nudged by earth, necessity, to resurrect humanity and mold it with your hands, gentle and strong, into a sculpture of sanity. Come on. You can no longer carry the rage, the fury, and weep a fire, storm, and flood, the seeping of shed blood. You have been missing in action, lured way off track by instigated distraction. Hurl your lesser then all the way back to the Minoan Crete. Risk your life, gather a clan, take the reins, take to the street. <laughs> global warming and award a defeat and a host of hideous crimes which render women as meat tenderized, to use, to enter, to traffic, to stone and burn. When will we learn? Women, all sisters, remember your power. It is for Earth's healing that we yearn. This is the 11th hour. Scurry. Scurry. Mm. Did you write that? No, that's Jane's. Jane Evershed. Oh, that's Jane's. Oh, you yeah. said... So oh, you, you can, you that's can Google lovely. Jane Evershed. And, and the book of Jane itself, the hard copy is online, that not only has the story, but it has all these... Uh, uh, her poems in here, and you can pick up some of them online as well with her posters. By the way, I'm loving your new book and have recommended it to everybody I know, and I've bought it as a Christmas gift. And um, it's it's a great varied viewpoint on 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 what we're talking about. Are you talking about the voices of the sacred feminine I think one? That's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's it's gotten uh, gotten some really good feedback. I'm really happy good. about it. You should be. Yeah. You should be. Should be. I've really uh, enjoyed what I've read so far. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Meryl, and I appreciate it. That's high praise coming from you. <laughs> well, so, I like the variety um, of people, too. Say again? I like the variety of people that you talk to. Oh, it's yeah. I, I mean, I think uh, one of the things that really taught me was how big the sacred feminine tent can really oh, be. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yes. absolutely is right. I well, should Marilyn, also give, uh, real quickly, gather the women dot. GatherTheWomenGlobalMatrix.org. You can find out where those, their circles are being held. Too. Okay, um, and I would, you know, highly encourage that. You know, whether you're, I mean, there's so many circles uh, that women have uh, access to today that uh, um, yeah. really there's no excuse. Uh, yeah, there's really advantage. no excuse for being alone. Go out there and get some support and um, 
you know, be a part of change in the world is what I say. <laughs> and, and it's a way to give. It just, it's not only giving and receiving, it's both. I mean, it, you get a yeah. lot out of it and you'll give a lot by your presence too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just sort of a, it becomes a natural uh, act of reciprocity, I think. You know, I, I uh, totally agree. Well, yeah, I look uh, forward uh, to meeting you one of these days, and I think we will. Yes, I think so. You know, hopefully before the Parliament, but uh, if yeah. not, definitely there at the Parliament of World Religions. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, sharing more time with you, Marilyn. Good. So am I. This has been delightful, and uh, very much appreciate your giving me the, the time and the energy to, uh, to uh, get into these conversations. I think they're very important. I think so too, and uh, it, it's been my pleasure to have you tonight. And uh, again, you know, let me just mention: uh, folks can find out more about you at womenwakingtheworld.com. You also have uh, your email address, Marilyn at womenwakingtheworld.com. Um, so most definitely, go there and check it out. I think there's going to be lots of good things there. Come talk to me on Facebook too. Be fun to hear what people have to say. Okay. Well, Good. thank you, Marilyn. Uh, you oh, have a you, you have a wonderful holiday, and thank you for having uh, your wisdom in the world out there for all of us to benefit from. I, I can say uh, ditto. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> I love what you're doing. So keep it up. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. And Bye-bye. and good night. Good night. Well, um, I mentioned um, in previous weeks that uh, Roy and I were invited to give workshops. Uh, on finding love and keeping it uh, on this upcoming seminar at sea, or as Roy likes to call it, the love boat. Uh, he's he's uh, really kind of jazzed about that. He says, oh, who would have thought I was ever going to uh, teach a seminar on the love boat? <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, the week of Valentine's Day in February, uh, the ship is visiting the Mexican Riviera for a week. And we'll be just some of the workshop presenters, uh, and this is uh, for everyone to help improve all their relationships in their lives, uh, not just find love. Uh, so if you're interested, um, you can take advantage of uh, the early bird discount uh, that's out there right now, and I'm not sure for how long, for uh, an entire week, you know, all your food, everything, it's a cruise, uh, $999, not uh, a bad price tag for uh, seven days. You know, entertainment, workshops, um, you know, food uh, practically 24 hours a day. So if you're thinking of doing something different um, in 2015, maybe that's it. Uh, could be the first step to change um, the relationships in your life. And the workshops that Roy and I are giving, uh, besides uh, finding love and keeping it for the rest of your life, are awakening uh, to the lover within and breaking free to be your authentic self. Um, you know, with our 30-year uh, vow renewal and anniversary, uh, people kept asking us as, as it led up to it, how did we meet, what's our secret for staying together for 30 years? Um, and, you know, I guess, um, you know, it seemed like the natural next step when we were invited to do this cruise to be able to uh, put maybe what we've learned in a workshop and uh, share our tips and the wisdom that we've gleaned over the last three decades together. Uh, so you can go to my Facebook page and scroll down, uh, and I'm sure you'll see the event there. Um, 
that I made for the cruise. If you have any trouble finding it, just get in touch. And don't forget, there's actually another little special secret discount code that uh, will reduce the price from $9.99. Don't forget to get in touch with me to get that secret discount code uh, if you think you want to sign up. So uh, we are crossing the threshold uh, and moving into the uh, second part of the show here. I think you know that sound. Um, So did you hear the story I promised you of my grandma and the bootlegger? (laughs) If not, be sure you listen to the episode that that was just uh, my previous show with Susan Hawthorne. Uh, on Lupa and the Lamb, uh, or the She-Wolf and the Lamb. Uh, The story is at the end of that episode. You know, it's funny and poignant, and it really gives us some interesting insight uh, into the lives of women, and that's that's really why I share it. So, yeah, listen to it, uh, my story of my grandma and the bootlegger. Um, who was her husband and my uh, my grandfather, but we call him the bootlegger. Uh, so uh, here's a word from Joe Carson. Most people see humankind as really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree is. And I came out of it. This is, this is my mother planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, that little snippet uh, was uh, from Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia. Uh, Dancing with Gaia explores the connection between Earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the goddess as Gaia. It features 15 visionaries who give us tools to feel the life of the planet within ourselves. The DVD comes with a 45-page mini-book and costs just $20. You can get your own copy at dancingwithgaia.com. Most definitely, that's another great idea for um, your loved ones or yourself uh, for the holidays if you're looking to expand your library, if you're looking uh, to uh, learn how to make that uh, connection. Um, Also, I'd like to uh, invite you to visit the beautiful Goddess Temple of Orange County. Uh, That's in Southern California. It is one of the very few brick-and-mortar goddess temples on the face of the earth. Uh, It is open to the public Friday and Saturday afternoons for meditation and viewing the beautiful museum exhibits of goddesses from the Paleolithic to the present. Uh, There's also goddess spiritual celebration services every Sunday, rain or shine, from 11 to 1230. Uh, The first three Sundays of the month are for women. The fourth Sunday is for all genders and um, uh, for for families. And every Friday from 5 to 7, you can enjoy the temple's Venus Hour, Orange County's best happy hour with libations, snacks, music, movies, and you can meet new people. And you know what? It's all free. There's no cover charge. So for more information, visit the Goddess Temple OC. 
org. That's goddesstempleoc.org. You know, I wrote about the Goddess Temple of Orange County in my first book, Sacred Places of Goddess, 108 Destinations. If you're in Southern California, you most definitely owe it to yourself to visit this place. Um, it's really spectacular. It, it has been... Um, done so beautifully by the center holder and founder, uh, Ava Park. Uh, I really just can't say enough. You also can rent the facility for your event uh, or for your wedding. Uh, you know, there's a library, there's Oshun's Lounge, there's the Kuan Yin Meditation Room, there's the big uh, sanctuary that has a larger-than-life-size uh, statue of Sekhmet, uh, mounted on a four-foot-tall uh, pyramid throne. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's really spectacular, spectacular. So, uh, got to tell you about the bees uh, buzzing around in my bonnet. I want to start telling you about those bees in my bonnet with, uh, I'll repeat that quote that I uh, mentioned when I was talking to Marilyn. It's actually two quotes here. The first one is uh, by Paulo Freer. Washing one's hands of the conflict between the powerful and the powerless means to side with the powerful, not to be neutral. The other is by Cornell West, Ph.D., who said, Justice is love made public. Justice is love made public. Think about those two quotes. You know, I'm so very proud of the people marching in the street with the I Can't Breathe t-shirts or the I'm Michael Brown signs or giving the hands up gesture in public because, you know, they're out there taking a stand against the powerful. They're speaking truth to power. When there is so much apathy, so much racism, sexism, classism, so much exploitation and domination of every kind out there. Couple those protests around the country with the transparency that we're seeing now, uh, talking about assault and rape on college campuses, and especially the University of Virginia story that's prompting other colleges to not keep sweeping the problem under the rug. There was even a story along those lines in last week's episode of The Newsroom. Maybe you saw it. Also, couple that with the attention domestic violence is getting in professional sports and the courage the Democrats had to release the information on the Bush administration and the CIA and their torture program after 9-11 that's been in the news. All this says to me, as I said before, and it bears repeating, this is what it's like to live in the revolution. People are getting caught. Dominators are being exposed. They are being shamed. They're being being told, hell no, you can't keep screwing everybody around and it just be normal, it just be okay. Of course, there's a lot more work to do. We have to be sure these protests turn into policy. We have to make sure these kinds of actions are considered taboo in our culture in the future. We have to expose others because what a poor man can go to jail for, a rich man will get off scot-free. Isn't it amazing a black man can be killed during arrest for selling cigarettes 
and rich men who lie us into war are living fat and happy with all the privileges rich white male society still offers them. And some people respect them, look up to them. They don't even see what horrible mistakes they've made. We need level playing fields. We need equality. We need justice. We need partnership. We need the ideals of the sacred feminine as our guiding light. We have to continue the transparency. We have to continue to be courageous, standing up to power, speaking out, exposing the dominators, exposing the perpetrators. It does us no good to be neutral. It does us no good to be silent. So get out from behind your desk. Get off your couch. Quit just venting on Facebook. That's not enough. Get out there in solidarity with others. Get motivated to make things happen. Join a circle. Join a red tent. Join a political action group. Go help at some environmental support group, some animal rights group. I don't care where you go. Just follow your passion. What interests you? What do you want to see in the world? And I bet you there are people that have already started the ball rolling, and you can get behind them and help push because that's what we need. We definitely need solidarity. You know, solidarity with others, that motivation, that makes things happen. Look at those people in the street. Look at those people in the street. They are going to make things happen, I have no doubt. You know, there's a quote out there. I wish I knew the author. Probably one of you do, and maybe you'll email me. But it goes something like this. When women awaken, mountains move. Well, patriarchy, classism, racism, sexism, Abrahamic religious zealotry are big-ass mountains, and we want to move them. Hell, we want to dissolve them into dust as we will it. As we work for it, so shall it be. And here's a quote from my new book that came out this year, Goddess Calling. It's called Our Weapons Are Many. And it seems appropriate considering what I'm talking about. Our weapons are many and we need them all because patriarchy will not just roll over and die because we will it, we pray for it, or think positive thoughts. Our books of knowledge are our weapons because knowledge is power. Has not patriarchy tried their best to keep knowledge of goddess and women's natural leadership and spiritual authority from us? Intuition is our weapon. Women intuitively know how to birth life, nurture, and multitask. They are the glue keeping homes, businesses, and organizations going. If women stopped serving the status quo tomorrow... How many things would just collapse? Our voice is our weapon. Has patriarchy not tried to make us content and satisfied being subservient and our power diminished? We must all find our sacred rage and our sacred roar and let our wisdom and intellect reverberate out across the ethers to be heard by all. Our written word is our weapon, for the pen can be mightier than the sword. Each of you sitting there has changed his or her life, not at the point of a dagger, but because of the information you have no doubt read or been taught or heard. 
Our tenacity and strength are our weapons. Any woman who has birthed or raised a child, had a book published, started an organization, manifested a temple, they all know the strength, courage, and determination women possess. Remember, women, we do 80% of the work around this world, even if under patriarchy we only earn 20% of the assets. Our weapons are our innate ability to intuit, to love and nurture, to support our sisters and brothers, to tend and befriend in times of stress. We must begin to stand shoulder to shoulder, thinking of the us and we, not the I and me. And finally, our weapon is the wisdom we embody and the power of the life-affirming creatrix, while patriarchy is the obsolete and forceful destroyer. We must remember who we are. You'll find that in Goddess Calling, if you're interested. Goddess Calling. So, uh, if you'd like to support my work in the show, you can do one or more uh, or several things. Go to my website, KarenTate.com. Make a donation, if you can, of any amount, using the button way down at the bottom of the Goddess Store page, the very last button. Right there, you can make a donation of any amount. Or order one of my books or two. Actually, I have a special right now. If you live in the United States and you order uh, two of my new books, it doesn't have to be one of each. It can be two of one or two of another. You will get free Walking an Ancient Path. I'll have that deal through the end of December. Get in touch with me. Tell me you heard it here on the radio show. And uh, that book will be in the mail. Um you can also use Amazon uh, if you have to. Uh, Amazon funds conservative causes, and they're, which often are not in the best interest of the 99% who I suspect you are, and I know I certainly am. Uh, they also take a huge chunk of the profits, as I understand it, like 70%, which kind of leaves crumbs for the author and the publisher. Uh, but if that's the best you can do, I totally understand. No judgment here. You do what you got to do. Um, so... That's uh, that's what I would ask you to do for me as a uh, loyal listener of the show, if you don't mind. Uh, help me out with a donation or uh, buying one of my books or, hey, what about going on a sacred tour with us? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I mentioned the little field trip I made last week at the top of the hour. Uh, we went to the California Museum of Ancient Art, and I took with me my husband, Roy, and our good friend, Dr. James Rietfeld, who is brilliant and humble and such a fount of information. His new book on Artemis came out just last week. Uh, I have a link to it on my Facebook page, or you can look it up on Amazon. Just key in James Rietfeld, uh, or the title of his book, Artemis of the Ephesians, Mystery Magic in Her Sacred Landscape. Well, I am so proud to be co-leading a sacred journey with him to Turkey. The trip is going to be quite something, uh, the best of esoterica and exoterica in May of next year for 16 days. It's a wonderful opportunity if you're wanting to worship on the sacred ground of the Ancient Mother because we'll be doing some mini rituals out there because we usually have the sites all to ourselves. It's a great trip if you're a history buff, too. We'll satisfy that interest as well, as Dr. Rietfeld is not just an archaeologist, but a history and religion scholar. Yes, we're going to the sacred sites in the land that was once called Anatolia, land of the nourishing mothers. We'll visit Hecate's only known standing temple, 
perhaps the new Artemis Temple that was just found in Didyma because it's along our route. We're probably going to take about 15 or 20 men and women on the journey, so the experience will be very personal as we go to different sacred sites of goddess every day, often where tourists rarely tread. Um, and these sites are dedicated to goddesses like Cabelli, or maybe you call her Cybele, Isis, Mary, Aphrodite, Artemis, Kubaba, just to name a few. We'll stop at the Anatolian Museum, which is not to be missed, uh, but neither is the sacred shopping, the rituals at the site, experiencing the whirling dervishes, Turkish baths, purchasing fresh-squeezed pomegranate juice from the sidewalk vendors. You know, I've said before, I don't know why that feels so sacred to me, but it really does. I guess maybe because you can't get that here in the United States. No sidewalk vendor selling fresh-squeezed pomegranate juice. This will truly be a journey of a lifetime. Uh, it's not cheap, I know, but it will be well worth it. And one good thing is, once you're there, Turkey is not yet on the euro, so your money stretches rather nicely. The food's terrific. Uh, it's just going to be a fantastic cultural, spiritual adventure. So if you want to know more about that, again, go to my website, KarenTate.com. Ah, and... Um, Speaking of taking uh, a pilgrimage, uh, you can look at the event on my Facebook page uh, to find the itinerary or the link to the itinerary. And there's also a link to a YouTube video of a past trip. Uh, There's a wonderful scene on the video when we're uh, doing ritual at the Artemis Temple. And uh, at one point during the ritual, we cut open the pomegranate and um, the juice from the pomegranate just ran down across the sacred stones, and it reminded me of her sacred blood flowing out, flowing out, flowing out. So I think the final thing I want to share with you is um, I am going to be interviewed uh, on the 15th by Janie Resner. I will be her guest on Women's Voices, K-Z-Y-X, at 7 o'clock, uh, she's going to uh, interview me, and uh, the show will air at 90.7 FM, uh, Philo, or 88.1 FM for Fort Bragg, or 91.5 FM Willits, and also can be heard live at www.kzyx.org. It'll also be archived. Um, or you can just Google Janie Resner Radio. So if uh, instead of hearing me ask all the questions, you want to hear what it sounds like to have the questions thrown at me, uh, that's on the 15th or uh, later uh, from the archives. Well, thank you, dear listeners. I hope um, you are doing well out there. I hope you're not making yourself crazy with the holidays. Uh, resist, resist, resist doing anything you don't want to do. Remember, you don't have to conform. You really, really don't. So, uh, I think to close tonight's show, oh, why don't, uh, I think we'll, we'll do Sacred Alchemy by Diva Haley. Well, good night, and I will be back with you next week uh, with Ram Das. We're going to be talking about uh, Ama, the Hugging Saint probably the sacred feminine embodied in a mortal woman. That will be December 17th. And don't forget, if you're in Southern California, I'm giving that talk in Seal Beach on Friday, 
the 19th. Uh, for more information, get in touch with me or go to my Facebook page or website, KarenTate.com. So to close tonight's show, uh, it, sit back and enjoy Diva Haley's Sacred Alchemy from her uh, CD of the same name, Sacred Alchemy. Good night, dear listeners. Hang in there. <laughs> 